I will never ask somebody to do something based off of my word. If they mm -hmm. say, John, you're good for it. I know. I say, that's okay. Here it is in writing anyways. I promise you equity. Here it is in writing. I'm going to take care of that. I'm not going to push that out until it's convenient. I'm not going to, uh, no, if I'm going to show you that I love you as my brother and my friend by putting it in writing for you, because to show you that I care about you. Welcome friends. You are listening to blue collar money theories of middle-class investing with your hosts, PW Gopal and Mike Hatch. Welcome back again. My name is Mike Hatch here, as usual, with P.W. Gopal. P.W., good to be back again with you, buddy. Good to see you, brother. I'm excited about this. Yeah, yeah. We have a great interview for you today. Uh, where we'll, We will be unpacking the challenges of entrepreneurship with our guest, John Coyne. But before we get to that, I want to, first of all, just very excited about uh, announcing the launch of our, my first and kind of our first digital course. And I say our first because PW, my meeting with you and you really kind of leading and directing me through our, our times together have, have led to this. So this has been, I don't know, five to 10 year process for me to put this together, man. And you played an integral role in this, in this course. So I have to thank you for, for uh, definitely giving you credit for where we're <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. And I'm really excited about it because I know um, just in our conversations over the last few months, like the influence you've had over me and just unpacking um, the biblical narrative of investing has been a game changer. So the course is called Redemptive Economics. Yep. Redemptive and, Economics, a yeah. gospel-centered approach to business and entrepreneurship. That's fantastic. And then in the show notes, um, we're going to put the link to where people can get it. That's right. You can go to mikehatch.thinkific.com and that will take you to my school, if you will, on the Thinkific platform. And then you can click on the Redemptive Economics course there. So once again, that's mikehatch.thinkific.com. And just for, you know, also I put, created a, a, a coupon code for our Blue Collar Money uh, podcast listeners who have just obviously they've been with us um, many of them since the very beginning. And so we wanted to give a big thank you to them. And so there's a coupon code. If you just enter BCM for blue collar money, all lowercase BCM, and you will get about a 30% discount on the course. It's retailing at 279. But, uh, but if you enter that coupon code BCM, you will pay only 199 for that course. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'll be kicking it off this Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. September 1st, where uh, in 2020, for those who might be listening afterwards, and the course will remain open until December. But would love for for folks to join me for that uh, this Tuesday again, 7 p.m. We'll do I'll do a live Zoom meeting to uh, cover the introduction. And by the way, if anybody wants to check it out, the introduction is a free preview. So you can go to that and check it out even now if you wanted. But uh, but on the live launch, I will do the introduction as well as a Q&A session. And, uh, all right. So we are, as we said, we're heading into this interview with, uh, with business owner and entrepreneur, John Coyne, good buddy of mine. Uh, we go to church together and uh, we're going to be talking about unpacking the challenges of entrepreneurship. And uh, any highlights you want to mention pw from this interview as we get ready just for people to begin to to look forward to yeah i mean i think i i had an amazing time just listening um and i took i took so many notes um his story is unexpected like i just you know like i knew that he was running um a cbd um you know manufacturing business um well distribution they did they they just do sales and CBD, but um, not only did I learn about CBD, but I wasn't expecting his story to to have so many turns in it. So I was really impressed. I was just really impressed with him and just the fact that he 
his goal is to have a redemptive influence on his community and and his employees and the, the and the end user. I mean, it was just really, I could, I just got that sense through through everything he said. It was really encouraging. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he didn't expect to end up becoming an entrepreneur, and he'll yeah. share the story about that, which is kind of fun because he he we hear a lot about what the challenges are, and yeah. he was pretty raw and real about sharing that. So, um, and then just a, we're going to actually do another episode after this, kind of a part two, where PW, you and I are going to distill this, this interview down a little bit more to some real practical steps that our friends and listeners here can, uh, can take and hopefully apply to their lives. Yeah, that's the part I'm, I'm excited about because there's, there's so many things that he said um, that are applicable to entrepreneurs and people who are starting side hustles and starting businesses. But I think even more to people who are looking to take back their, their financial responsibility. You know, we, we're obviously asking people to, to consider different types of investing. And so we want to kind of unpack what he was saying and, and frame it in, in some different ways for us to, to see what sticks. Definitely. And then lastly, um, we were on location for this and you might notice the audio is, is a little tricky, but we would say, look, the, the material that's covered, the content is incredible. So bear with yeah, us with the amen. audio and stick with it because, uh, because I think you will definitely be encouraged and will come away with some amazing golden nuggets. So let's get into this interview, unpacking the challenges of entrepreneurship with John Coyne. Hey folks, welcome. I've got uh, our guest with us today, Jonathan Coyne. And John, do you prefer John or Jonathan? I want to make sure. Unless you're my mother, John. Okay, John. Or Coyne. Right. Either is fine. <laughs> All right, so John Coyne is here with us, founder, president, CEO of Rise Up. Technically not the CEO. My wife oh. is the CEO. So tell, tell us briefly the, the uh, Rise Up CBD. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the company. Sure currently. So Rise Up Therapeutics is actually the mother company where we really see ourselves as an engineering company. Most of our employees are uh, engineers at heart. My wife's a mechanical engineer. I'm an industrial, but a chemical engineer on staff. We've got a PhD in statistics. We're really just a bunch of geeks set out to see if this stuff actually worked. Um, I was kind of thrust into, I'm sure we'll get into the story at some point, but I was kind of thrust into this a little bit. And at the point in time when I got into the industry, I didn't really care if somebody worked. I was just there as a higher hand to make stuff. Uh, but then as things progress, we really wanted to find out if uh, CBD and cannabinoids actually has some medicinal benefits and we would not be doing what we're doing now with our credibility on the line as engineers if we did not see our clients really seeing beneficial objective evidence benefits. I can't necessarily say that uh, or in writing or the FDA will come after me, but uh, I got plenty of clientele that would say otherwise. So yeah. Uh, it's really at this point a lot of it has to be word of mouth, but it also built incredibility. That's great. So, yep, Rise Up is the is the mother company. We do consulting, we do white labeling for other companies. So you might see our CBD in somebody else's bottle uh, on their shelf or on their website. But then we also make our own uh, Helux CBD product um, that you can get on our websites or some of our retailers stock that as well. So you'll see Rise Up Therapeutics is the mother company, and then Helux CBD is actually our brand name of CBD products. Ah, okay, good. That helps to clear some things up because I obviously, I he's in a, his office is in a place where I end up coming in and out in, in a gym where sometimes I'll see you and I'll see rise up uh, often there. And so it's it's good to hear the backstory there. And also, for those of you who don't know that John and I uh, know each other through attending church together, where I'm one of the pastors there. And so we've got to know each other a little bit that way, which has been fun. You, uh, you're friends with another pastor friend of ours, Josiah, you guys went to college together, and I got to know you through him, and what I love about John, by the way, is it's your energy, man, your energy, your intensity. Um, try to keep it calm on this one, I try to keep it calm, <laughs> no promises, but it is, it is infectious, and, uh, and it's positive, it's very positive, you're always, he's the kind of guy that you just get this impression that you were just moving forward, whether I'm going the right direction or not. Forward. <laughs> forward is better. That's how I play golf. Just oh, yeah. forward. Place forward. 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. And so we already established back you're married. Yes. 11 years as of a week ago. Ah, oh, congratulations. And then you've got how many kids again? Three. We just had our third. She's two months old. Seven-year-old boy, four and a half-year-old girl, and a two-month-old girl. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I need to start saving some for, for college and weddings. Take a 529B for weddings. Well, PW, you've got a daughter as well uh, right now, Sweet Caroline. Yeah, we have, she's almost four, and then we've got uh, another girl coming in December. Rock God, congratulations, man. We have the same... The same thought process of like, oh man, I gotta start saving for some things. Ugh, yeah. yeah, right, right, definitely. So, okay, so you shared a little bit about the CBD company currently, mm -hmm. it's, and that, that was helpful to understand. And, and you are, it's interesting how you said too, because we, we've said this before on our podcast that I believe entrepreneurship is all about learning, experimenting. Sure. And you're, you just clearly described the fact that you've been learning through this process. Yeah. But even before that, you had quite a, a learning as we look back to what brought you here to this place. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the, because I still remember when you came to church the one day, I, <laughs> we were in the lobby. You're what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm taking a job as, as a CEO of this company and moving to Denver. And, and I was a little sad because... We're going to be losing you in the area. And then not too long. Time <laughs> to do the walk of shame. Come right back to those doors. Like, oh, that didn't work. That's right. You came back again. And I'm like, yeah. what happened? Yeah. So, yeah. Tell us the story. All right. Um, so, sure. as a uh, again, uh, undergrads in industrial management, slash engineering, if you want to call it that, at uh, Grove City. And then I uh, started working for GE as in different roles in different capacities in 2010. Uh, had them pay for my MBA, one of the greatest decisions I ever made. Uh, got my MBA from Penn State, finished out in 2013. Uh, GE was building locomotives. Uh, mostly all my stuff was international. So like we were kind of talking before, um, lived in Australia, uh, did a lot of travel back back and forth to the UK. I think they put me in 24 different countries in eight years. Um, wow. And man, it's just awesome. Lots and lots of butts and seats on airplanes. And I still hate flying. But uh so building locomotives and then i went into g power building wind farms and solar farms for them then uh took a job with one of my customers after i finished up a project and where it's working for edf renewables actually they're largely owned by the french government so i like to sit out what works for the french government kind of sounds secretive yeah sounds so, impressive building wind farms in iowa <laughs> you know i don't know what yeah anyway um, but I always kind of, my wife and I always talked about, well, I'll say a little bit about her. She's always been a GEite. She was an intern at Grove City. She's, and then she was just bought, GE Transportation was just bought by WebTech, which is a Pittsburgh headquartered company. So she's been there for a long time. And we had always kind of talked about what, what our end game was. We were both going to retire from GE or what that play was. And really, you don't know. You, you really don't. But I always kind of had an itch to use my MBA for our, you know, ourselves and see if we could make something work. Just really know how the Lord is going to make that happen if we were supposed to leave or what we we're supposed to do. And I remember praying probably, I don't know, two years ago thinking, Lord, if you want us to go down this route, you're going to have to have something weird happen because there ain't no way I'm leaving the security on, you know, of a steady job, steady income. Uh, I'm just too, um, I just love security too much. And I had a mentor at Orchard Hill uh, that I talked about this opportunity that had presented itself when the hemp, when hemp became legal to make cbd products from and do the farm bill of 2018 there was this huge rush of people trying to get into this space as extraction trying to provide the oil for this continuing growing market i'm sure we'll talk about that more later but uh so i got a phone call asking if i would go out to denver and start this company they were funded they had already had equipment there that they were going to have certified to run in two weeks they needed somebody to um run run the manufacturing so they get it finished up and get all the permits and all those things. And I went to this mentor and I said, Hey, what do you think? And the long story short output was you won't do it. You let you're too risk averse. Um, <laughs> you don't do it by 40. You won't do it at all. But based off of what I know about you, you won't do it. Wow. That is quite wow. a shot to the ego right there. <laughs> Should have just <laughs> take that and run with it and gone back to GE. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that hurt me in the gut and i was like 
F you, I'm going to do this. Nice. <laughs> and that's when I, went to, I came to church like, I'm going to Denver. Um, so, you know, and I really, I do appreciate him kind of like kicking me out. And because uh, I know that I would have never done it. And really looking back um, out of the steps that it had to occur to where we are now, I'm really grateful for the encouragement and the tough love that that was. And kind of, he probably knew that's what I needed to hear. He knew that that would be the only way that I would do it. <laughs> so he came after my ego. And now looking back at how God kind of fulfilled that prayer was I went into what I thought was a secure scenario. I thought I was getting paid a salary, getting, getting equity in this company. Uh, and in, in, the, in that moment, it made a lot of financial sense. Uh, I was more than doubling my salary. It, it made a lot of, made sense. And again, probably a lot of hindsight should have seen more red flags. Um, but you only know those red flags until you've seen them once. And I didn't, you know, everything kind of seemed all right. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, looking back, how God answered that prayer and kind of forced me out of my own after the, that the Denver thing kind of fell through. Now it's sink or swim. And I'm going to do this because I know that this is where the Lord wants me. He got me here on purpose, though it was painful at times. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to give it my best shot. And so far, it's been a lot of fun and actually pretty promising. So tell us a little bit more about the process. What what made you decide to leave that situation mm -hmm. to start your own? Sure. Tell us a little bit more about the circumstances involved with that. That, I'll be honest, was less process and more almost dire situation it was, it was getting to the point where the company had run out of money how we thought we were going to uh get more funding fell through and it was okay uh i have a decision to make are we going to go forward this without any money and try to figure it out with the company and with what you know the owners are saying or do we just cut ties and and, and move on and i felt like we kicked and scratched trying to make it work for a long time or for long enough to justify that and then when I didn't see the end game or, and I also wasn't seeing that we were in line with our ethos and our belief on how to treat people um, mm. and how to operate. They were much more risk friendly than I was and um, way past what I was willing to tolerate at that point. So I said, enough is enough. And we got to head back and try to do so it on our own. When you got to that point in the business, they had led you to believe that there was money in reserve uh, for you know whatever next stage there was relative to your i'm assuming that you you have the number in your head of what your year's expense is like relative to that how much money would have made you comfortable if they actually had it in the bank where you would have you would have stayed and you would have said let's just fight through this the hard part we were at this point where we were making excellent product excellent yeah. product and we were getting a great reputation in denver for that product unfortunately we didn't have an exit strategy for the product. And uh, that wasn't something within my scope that my, my side of the business was allowed to do. We were the side of the business that was only to make the product. And then a sister huh. partner company was exclusively had the rights to sell and they weren't performing. So hmm. we had a half million dollars of the product on the shelf and they hadn't moved any of it. And so it was really hard because I kept thinking if we can get one sale, I can make payroll, no problem. Um, I can pay rent, no problem. I can, you know, it was like, it's sitting right there in front of us, but yeah. without a way to exit it. So to answer your question, you know, if I'd have seen that there was another hundred grand in the bank, I would have been like, okay, we can, we can grind that out for a couple months. We can pay rent. We can pay payroll. We'd have to lighten up the load a little bit here and there, but, uh, that would have been enough to buy us time to exit that, that product. Unfortunately, we ran out of time. And what, what would you have asked for? Would you have asked for a non-exclusive agreement with that kind of like you would have asked for a different selling company? Would you? I, that, well, and that was the tough part. I had arranged an investor to plug more money in. Okay. To help us get, to bridge that gap. But that was part of that agreement was that the, the, the exclusivity agreement to sell was part of that agreement that it would be severed. Uh, they would have first right to sell, but if it passed 30 days, they were no longer able to sell. Or yeah. that, that, we other, that I could sell it, or we could have other contacts sell it, or we could uh, get another sales team to sell it. And at the last minute, that was a deal breaker mm. that they were not willing to give up. And when I saw that, they were, willing, they were not willing to put the, what I thought, the team above the relationship that had to get adjusted hmm. uh that was that means we were, we were backseat and i wasn't gonna let myself and our employees be, stay backseat uh, there was no future in that 
Can you talk about the ethos that was advertised and what you experienced? Like what, what was it on paper that you were like, yeah, this is it. Well, this is when it gets difficult when even among Christians, how you do business Mm. and very widely, Uh, particularly with people that would say that they've been very successful in business and have sold million dollar, multi hundreds of million dollar companies Mm. still would think that what they did was totally right and okay. And, you know, no violation at all. Whereas a person like myself would be like, whoa, you know, I hate debt. I hate owing people. I hate the idea of making promises I couldn't keep. Mm. And I was not going to do business like that. I didn't want to become that direction, that that person. Mm. And even though that maybe sometimes what it takes to be successful, that wasn't what I was going to have in my core. And not, again, people that make other you know, other adjustments in that, that's up to them. That's between them and the Lord. So mm. you have to be able to look yourself. Yeah. And I, there are a couple of people that call in, in that scenario that called themselves Christians. Actually, everybody pretty much did. Uh, one was a, you know, this guy sold this company for $150 million. Another was a multi-billion dollar company that was backing this. And so I saw, again, I saw that. I'm like, you know, we've got a lot of outs here. and A lot of people that said that they're involved. And then when it came time to really do the right thing and keep us afloat, it got abandoned. So hmm. when I saw that, I'm like, then that, that's, that's gotta be the end. So what, is there a thing in, you know, with your employees now where you, I don't know if it is been some kind of you know cornerstone in your in how you do business where you said i will never do that to somebody yeah is there there a thing you've adopted now with your employees to to honor them absolutely uh that's a great question because now especially when you've got close friends you're doing business and that's always tough to do business with friends to answer your question succinctly i will never ask somebody to do something based off of my word if they say, John, you're good for it. I know. I say, that's okay. Here it is in writing anyways. I promise you equity. Here it is in writing. I'm going to take care of that. I'm not going to push that out until it's convenient. I'm not going to, uh, no, if I'm going to show you that I love you as my brother and my friend by putting it in writing for you, because to show you that I care about you, because I saw way too much of, oh, you'll get this percentage or, oh, you'll have that contract or, oh, you get this commission and none of it was in writing. And then I would put it in writing and all the, all the CEO had to do was sign it and he wouldn't sign it. Like, I'm doing all the legwork for you. Why won't you sign it? So that was the one thing I turned away. I was, I was like, I'll never do that to my friends. If I will put it in writing, even if it's on a scratch piece of paper and then yeah. you can take me to court with, I want you to have it so that you know I'm never going to screw you. You know, what's interesting about that is that a lot of people think about putting things in writing as being a negative, as being yeah. trust, right? Yeah. Like, oh, what are we doing? Are we signing a, signing a prenup? Or something, you know what I mean? Right. Like prenuptial agreement. But when in actuality, that's that's really well said that it actually shows more care and concern and, and yeah valuing others. Yeah, you said you said a couple of things. I mean, that that in itself honors the employee, but also like you said earlier, you said that they were not honoring the team and that you guys were backseat. There was no voice for you. And so I yeah, I just think those are such important things for someone to look at. And I hate that you had to live through that. I don't know. I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if you can learn the lessons that you've learned without that kind of experience, but you're obviously, yeah, that's the hard part is like, you've had to take your licks to then make the decisions you're making now. Right. Um, And not to say that I'm anywhere near what I, where I need to be to be successful, but it's, it's a growth plan. It's a grind and, and it's so much internal as much as it is an execution of what the right things to do for a startup is. Yeah. So what is, what is that? So what is success for you one year, three year, five year? Like what is, you know, rise up therapeutics? What makes you happy? Uh, First being able to turn the money that people have put into my company and trust in me into something positive that they, they know it was a good, they'll get return on that. We didn't, we didn't have to ask for a lot of money. Uh, but the money that we did take from people, I want to make sure they know that they're going to get that and more when this is all done, first and foremost. Secondly, would definitely be, uh, I want to employ great people. We already have that. Uh, I want to be able to pay them. <laughs> pay them well. Uh, I want, you know, uh, I want to be, create a company where people enjoy what they're doing. They know they're taken care of. They know that they're first and that uh, they can have pride in what we make and how we deliver what we make and uh, really enjoy watching people's lives change 
from what we are providing. Uh, the whole idea about Rise Up Therapeutics was, uh, you know, in Mark where God, Jesus says, rise up, take a mat and walk, yeah. uh, was we wanted to believe at the time that we made that, that, God, that this stuff worked. At the yeah. time we were making it, we didn't know. We had no idea. We knew that we were making really good CBD. We did not know if CBD actually did anything for anybody. Mm. We had to go out and prove that to ourselves first before we wanted to put money and time and, and grinding this out to get behind our own product. I want to just recap um, two things you said when I would sit with people who are evaluating businesses, mainly it's just as a practice. Um, the, the debt buyers that I know and the people that buy businesses, they have, they have companies that do this stuff for them. Smaller businesses don't do that. But I want to highlight two of the middle things you said. You said you want to employ, employ great people, but then you wanted to pay great people well. And that's not something that I hear. I haven't heard it voiced like that. And I thought that was really significant. Mm -hmm. And I would, if I heard a company say that, and I saw the employees kind of living that, you know, that scenario, I, that's something I would put my money into every day. Thanks, man. So that definitely, I agree with that. BW. One of the things you talked about in our pre-interview was how you exited the previous business. And, and no, I love this because it, it, it was the start in, of how you treat other people like you just described. Talk about what you did as you exited to make sure that others in, sure. in the business that you worked with had the same opportunity as you did as you left. Um, sure. So when we ran out of funds, we still had payroll to make. And we had some company expenses that needed taken care of. And they were just going to let people off, let people go. And didn't, and I asked him, I was like, do you have this money? You need to, you know, if you're going to let people go, you at least need to settle up. And they said, no. And I anticipated them saying no. And I said, well, you've got this much product on the shelf. You need to allocate that as compensation to the monies that were, that's owed. So I made a list of, we owe each, this person, this much money, this person, this much money. And here's the market value of Dissolute at this point in time. If you cannot pay them, you will give them X distillate from X batch with X amount of, uh, you know, X kilograms, you owe them that. And then as you sign this piece of paper, I'm going to distribute that like right after this <laughs> so that there's no changed minds that those people can at least walk away saying, Hey, I didn't get payroll. I'm out of a job, but I've got this. What am I going to do with this to at least make a payroll? Okay. Some people can just exit it and try to sell it to somebody that they know in the market or like we did, we turned it into a, into rise of therapeutics. I love that. I, I just love that what you did in that process in a bad situation, I think you honored God. I think you, you were a, a refuge in a sense for those who, who were going to be taking it on the chin right along yeah. with you. Yeah. And I, I just, I just think that that's a lesson for all of us to take that, you know, just in terms of valuing other people. And, and when, Obviously, when you're a Christian, you've got a, you place a very high value on those who are created in the image of God. Sure. And I love how you love them by doing that. Honestly, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, but I know I, I look back and think I still didn't do enough for them because I was the leader of the company. I still take the fault, the, the failure in that company, my fault. Um, I could, maybe I could have thought of different outs. I could have done a better job with the investors. I could have maybe found that there are thousands of other things that I could have done better probably than uh, so that when we got finally got to that point, I felt like I let them all down and I, the least I was going to be able to try to do was cover them for what they were into it. So it, it, just to be really practical here, it, when you buy hemp oil or CBD, um, only a percentage of what's in the bottle is, is what you're calling the distillate, right? Correct. Okay. Let me give you a quick, give you a quick rundown. Sure. This is distilled hemp oil. Okay. So we're looking at about a six inch cylindrical, you know, six inch tall cylindrical what, jar, jar container that looks like it's like uh, crystallized like, honey. Yeah, it looks, looks like exactly. Honey. It looks like old honey. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, roughly ninety percent cannabinoids. Okay. There's 115 different cannabinoids or more. Uh, that means there's 10 percent plant matter chlorophyll, waxes, terpenes, other stuff. That's not what I would say medically beneficial. 
but 90% of it is very medically beneficial. Okay. Then you take that and you put it into, so there's a couple of reasons. We're going to hopefully uh, debunk the myth that I'm not a drug dealer during this talk. Okay? <laughs> um, so you start with the hemp plant and then you pull out all the oils and then you refine the oils so that you don't have, you only have the oils that you want. The cannabinoids is an oil, a wax that we see, oh, but sorry, ter terpenes, waxes, chlorophyll, all kind of gets pulled out and then we distill it so that all we get is this 90% really pure cannabinoids. Problem is, this is like 3.75% THC. It's a significantly high, it's like 80% CBD, but it's also 3.75. So if you were to try to eat a spoonful of this, which would taste terrible and you'd probably puke it up anyways, it's illegal to do so because the government has said, if you're making it from the hemp plant, it needs to be, your final consumable product needs to be less than 0.3% THC. This is obviously tenfold more than that. Because THC is what psychoactive is the psychoactive what element. Causes you to get hot. Correct. Right? Okay. Correct. I'm just speaking for those of us who have very little you know, yeah, yeah. Hot experience. <laughs> okay. okay. So marijuana is uh, is uh, cannabis sativa, just like hemp, but they're they're very very similar. But their profiles and how as they grow, they have a different profile of cannabinoids. So marijuana is heavily THC. It's like 10 to 14% THC, whereas as, uh, the hemp plant is primarily CBD and trace amounts of THC. Finally, in 2018, the government said, yes, they're two different plants. Here's how we're gonna distinguish the two different plants. One is high, in, one will get you high, the other you can smoke the entire plant and not get you high. So we are only allowed to make from a hemp plant. We're not making drugs, but to your point, we then take this highly concentrated form and we have to cut it with a carrier oil so that it's in its legal limit amount. Okay. So for every, for instance, we'll put uh, two grams of this in a tincture and then 28 milliliters of MCT oil. Okay. And, and that's where you would get that our final box is 2,000 milligrams of cannabinoids per, per bottle. So then we break it down into dosage and try to help you figure all that stuff out. So when you're actually taking something to, to market, like you have your wife is CEO, what's your daily like who, what's what's your deal <laughs> uh i am the majority owner and the president of the company i do okay. the daily operations okay um, so your operations yeah and then do you have a marketing person yes uh i have a vp of marketing i have a lead chemist uh i have a consultant that's a phd in statistics that makes sure all of our numbers are correct okay uh, we have a, a vp of business development and those are our large players that do most of the of the, of the work and okay. then we also have a team of reps that continues to grow. Okay. So you don't have to, you don't have to tell me this, but are, are these people salaried or do they get equity to do that work? All of my employees have equity. They, they have yeah. equity to do that work. And then we have agreements with each person based off of each person has their own specific uh, compensation plan. That's either a, a, a blend of hourly work, if it's, you know, grunt work or if it's equity. Um, but for now, especially because we're still within our first year, most people yeah. are doing what they're doing based off the equity that they were given in the beginning. Okay. To achieve, yeah. achieve their, their milestone, pers their personal milestone for okay. getting this forward. So at some point when you guys are satisfied with whatever viability looks like, you, will some of those people like stay in, on staff? And the goal is to get them all on staff. Yeah. Uh, okay. All these people would love, I, I, I don't want to say that. Uh, I don't want to speak for them, but um, there's definitely a, a list, a hiring list of people that as we can afford them, we will bring them up. And so when you look at them, obviously they know what they're doing, mm -hmm. but as a person, what are you looking for when you want them to be part of your team? Um, most of these people have already stuck their neck out for me in one way or another. <laughs> and when I took most of the brunt of the hit with the Denver thing, they were right there as friends to, to catch me and, and, and be a part of it. Um, they knew that we had something good. Sure. Were Some most of them part of the Denver thing too? Uh, just two of them, I believe. Okay. And then two of them were also wanting to be a part of that, but I had purposely like, just wait, we yeah. got, we got to deal with some <laughs> in-house issues before you join. <laughs> I think the goal is for, I'd like to be able to start, you know, paying myself at some point. And then I have uh, our lead chemist that does a lot of our uh, formulations and making product with me. Uh, he would be next in line. Um, okay. 
you know, so we do a hybrid of trying to take some cash up when we can, but most of what we do right now, we put right back in the company. Uh, we just got on Alibaba uh, nice. as a huge B2B marketplace for us. Wow. We're excited. We really hope that that's going to pick up some stuff. And now, now it's a matter of getting our affiliates uh, off and running, but also trying to get advertising. That's the hardest thing in the space because Google, Facebook, Amazon won't let you advertise CBD. Yeah. If they see CBD in your website, they're gone. It's very difficult That's to try to go that I route. We were, I thought we were further along in terms of people accepting the CBD thing, but even, you're saying even Google. Oh yeah. Well, they're, they're very good at the amount of money Google has spent on trying to keep CBD out. It's, it's, a, it's a big game. Uh, you know, you're, we're on the forefront of the market. The FDA is continuing to hold back their regulations because I think that they want to see big pharma get involved. And I think that's when Google and Amazon will start letting it be more uh, freelance. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely the, the barriers to market in this industry are high, but the market's not going anywhere. This stuff does yeah. really work. And so the demand will only continue to get bigger and force them to allow us to do what we're doing. Is the hemp market, I mean, because the, 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 the cannabis market is opening up all across the nation. Mm -hmm. Is that going to open doors for the hemp market as well? I believe that it will because the biggest uh, barrier to entry that we have is uh, the stigma. Yeah. So as marijuana stigma goes down, so does CBDs. Uh, unfortunately, the regulation of marijuana will also kind of get probably copy paste at, to some extent into the CBD industry. So, we're trying to anticipate what that regulation will look like. Okay. Which is why we do We don't do a lot of the things that our competition does because the FDA says it's, it's illegal. Uh, you're not supposed to put it in food. You're not supposed to advertise it for dogs. Uh, you're not supposed to do a lot of these things that we refuse to do. And we have tons of people asking us to do it. And we, yeah. we just say no, because we want to play it. We want to be alive and surviving when after the FDA comes down and the FDA is sending out tons of notices to our competition yeah. saying, stop doing that, stop doing that. But they're not closing people, people down yet. So they're going to continue to do it. So earlier you had um, held up a box, green and white label. What is that right there? This is a full spectrum tincture oil that you would drop into your mouth. Okay. Hold it in your mouth for a little, for about 60 seconds and then swallow it. And okay. that would give you kind of blow your tongue thing. Yep. Sublingual. Okay. And so what does that retail for? What will you sell that for to the public? This sells on our website for $100. Okay. And because you had, you had said earlier that because you can't advertise on some of these sites that you have to use an alternative form of marketing. What, what does that even look like for you guys? Grassroots, man. Right now it's word of mouth, pavement, grassroots. Our online orders is very, very small right now. Okay. Um, but are you looking for affiliates to... Sure. Absolutely. You know something? <laughs> Well, I'm, I don't know if the people are listening, but what if they were to market that for you, what would their cut be? 10%. product. 10%. Okay. So 10 bucks for every hundred they sell. Yep. And I mean this, so this one goes for a hundred. We make another one that's, uh, we really have a pretty simple um, product line. Okay. Uh, our salve is 4,000 milligrams of cannabinoids. Okay. And then we just came out with a new one. We have, we don't have the labeling quite finished yet for it, but it's actually 5,000. It's a, it's a hybrid that we made up that we think really makes, it's the best of two different spectrums. So full spectrum and broad spectrum, it's the best of the two. Um, we think that will really be a differentiator for us. That'll probably go for 200 bucks, but it's yeah. crazy potent and has seven different cannabinoids in it. That's measurable. So that's something that you won't see in the market. And again, that's how we're trying to innovate to become the differentiator in the market. I love how values-based you've been through this whole thing beginning to end i love i love that um we've talked about that when we yeah. when you you gotta yeah. we talked about the fact that the most of the risk is in the investor sure. not in the investment yeah and it sounds like you've done a lot of work clearly inside that translates to how you do business with other people one of the things i know we want to help some of our listeners understand is what are some things maybe to consider when they're thinking about entering a market? What are some questions to, to ask? What would you say as you consider your experience moving into this market? What would you say to someone else? Who's, and let's just say it's any market. Um, first, I'll do two that's, I would say, spiritual. Mm -hmm. And then two that's hopefully more pragmatic. Uh, first is be careful what you ask for. <laughs> uh, when you ask the Lord to work on you and prepare you for what 
what could be down the road. It usually involves some tough stuff, some suffering. <laughs> All right, so be ready. Thank you for saying that. Uh, that's gold. Thank you for that. That's awesome. That's a gift. Go ahead. Uh, and secondly, on that end, man, is uh, when I look, when I, and again, I, I can't even say look back. We really haven't been doing that, this that long. But the two big things that we've had, I didn't make. God brought to me. So our two big opportunities, Alibaba and then one of my big customers, I didn't go pound pavement. That wasn't me working hard to get that. The Lord brought that to us. So I, 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 I guess I say that so that recognize, for me, it's recognizing when the Lord is, is, are you in the Lord's will? Or are you not in the Lord's will? Are you doing something that you shouldn't? Have you laid enough places before the Lord that this is the direction you should go or this is the direction you personally should go? You know, are you taking that to his feet on a constant basis, listening for the right thing to do? If you ask him to close doors so that you go in the right direction, he's going to close doors and that's going to hurt. Uh, you're going to think this is a great door. It's right in front of me. It's a, it's a home run. I nailed it. And then he go, but if you pray, Hey, I want you to take this direction. It's supposed to go. You got to be okay with him shutting doors. And that's where it hurts, but also have your ear to the ground, listening to, to what he's telling you in the word you, you know, cause he's going to talk back to you when you're reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes he'll encourage you to go a direction. Other times he'll be saying stop. So you really got to, uh, that's got to be a mature part of what you're of, of the direction that you're trying to go if you really want to do this with with the Lord and in His will. Hmm. In terms of getting into a market, the biggest fallacy I would say is if they if you build it, they will come. Bullcrap! <laughs> Bullcrap! That is all garbage. Only works in field of dreams. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you have to be able to have an exit plan. If you cannot exit your product, you will make all this product and you will see it sitting on your shelf. And for, for folks that are listening, when you say exit plan, you mean like exiting your product, selling the product, getting it off the shelves, moving it. You're not talking yeah. about leaving a business. No, no sorry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, your, your exit for the product to market to make money, yep. to bring in revenue, to cover your costs, to be able to pay your employees. Yep. It all starts with none of that happens unless you make sales. Yeah. And... I am not a good salesman. I hate selling. I hate pound and payment. I hate soliciting. I will not do it. <laughs> and that's probably one of the reasons why, uh, you know, our, our growth isn't as much as it could have been or could be, but that's, you've got to be comfortable. You've got to be comfortable doing things that you're not comfortable with. Mm. And I think like marathon training is one of the best examples of that. You just get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I had my first, oh man, a couple of weeks ago, I had my first hard no, like right in my face, get out of my, my store. I'm like, Nobody's ever been that mean to me before. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever kicked me out. And uh, I called two of my employees. Uh, I saw them coming. I called to my partners. I'm like, I just got kicked out of this place. And they're like, yeah, get used to it. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to sales, dude. And one of them, you know, both these guys have been in sales before. Like, roll it off your back. Go on to the next one. Get back out. They're like, oh, just gut punch. So you can't just do what you're good at. You've got to become, especially when you're the only, you know, really one of the few people putting as much time in, uh, trying to bootstrap and, and, and do this. You've got to gotta be comfortable doing stuff that you don't like, and you've got to work you know, all the angles. So some people feel like I have this amazing product mm -hmm. or this amazing service I'm going to provide. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I just put it out there, it's just going to fly out. Uh, yeah. here. Well, and, and the hard part is you first, the first thing is, I have a great, this, I have this great idea. This, this idea will change the world. And then it's like, okay, now you got to go from that idea to the, a product or service that uh, people want, you realize, oh, people actually want this idea. And then getting them to buy, to put money, their, their hard-earned money to buy that service or product. Those are three really hard, difficult steps. And most people have one of them figured out at, at best. Make, but you only are successful until you get all three. And I'm sure there's a lot more than that, I'm just making this up. Um, yeah. Which is another reason why Rise of Therapeutics was trying to employ some of them so that we, so that we could at, at some point in time get back to that and in a stable position where mm -hmm. we could you know, say, hey, yeah, it was a bumpy road, but we made it out together. Mm -hmm. Still on that. Still trying. That's fantastic. It's good stuff. You mentioned resources, PW. Do you want to, are we uh, asking if he has resources that he might, or are we talking about that? Is that more for us? Just start making, I just, you, you know, when we interviewed Bob, I just started making a, a list of like stuff that he would talk about, um, whether it's like stuff that other people could use or, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard anything, you know, like Alibaba, like 
we may put that up for somebody if they want to um well in terms of uh we didn't actually get this uh i'm starting to teach yeah 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 and that's a really there's a really good resource that i can i can drop in there if you want yeah let's do that yeah so i uh what you kind of mentioned before trying to find alternative forms of revenue yeah you know i really don't see this as a as a revenue stream because i don't know if anybody knows out there teaching doesn't pay a whole lot of money okay (laughs) especially as an adjunct professor Hold on one second before we get any further. I feel like let me make this a little cleaner. This transition into this, if, that, sure. if that's okay. Yeah, okay? absolutely. So, okay, just because I'm thinking of editing and and this, I think yeah. is better. Okay, so um, all right. So all that that just that has happened that brought you to this place now, and now I like I see this as God's provision, even further, <laughs> because God has gone ahead of you, John or Jonathan. And opened up new opportunities now. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing now with Jonathan and Wales University. Johnson and Wales. Johnson. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's I no. Appreciate. I'm not one of the owners of John. Yeah. Wales. I don't think I would go to that school. The <laughs> Johnson and Johnson Wales. Wales. So our uh, one of the consultants that we use that was in Denver, she's still there, is one of the deans of the school. And they had been talking about creating a cannabis entrepreneurship bachelor's of science. And so they were sort of pulling me in and talking about that, but then that kind of opened some other opportunities with, well, maybe I can help with teaching an entrepreneurship class. They had a need. It kind of worked around really interestingly because, so the class I'm teaching is a 40, is a 4010 change in innovation management class. And so it's mostly college seniors. I think there might be a couple of MBA students in there um, where we, Funny enough, and this is one of the resources I would definitely recommend so far. I haven't gotten through the whole book, so I can't judge it, but uh, it's called The Lean Startup. And what's funny is the foreword is by Jeff Emmel, who was the CEO of GE at the time. It birthed uh, uh, Fastworks, which is essentially lean manufacturing and Six Sigma together within GE, which I was a black belt at GE um, there as well. So got a lot of this training. So it's funny. Now I'm teaching a class on a book that was pretty much co-written by, by with GE. Um, but so far, it's a, it's a really pragmatic, process-driven approach to a startup, both for entrepreneurs, but also intrapreneurs, people that are corporate-based but have to generate and innovate and, you know, like a little think tank in a big corporation. So the class is going to be really interesting. I'm really excited about it. I want to, uh, I've been encouraged and approved to integrate COVID. And how students have had to evolve and change and innovate both financially, both themselves, to uh, advance in this. So all that to say, I'm really excited about that opportunity. Um, yeah, it's a form of re- uh, revenue stream, but really not a whole lot. <laughs> it's more for me uh, a credibility uh, builder for uh, what I try to bring to uh, my customers and anybody that I consult for. Um, but also be able to share that knowledge of what the, the struggles I'm going through, not just with people like you, but also students, to help them give a better, better leg up when they try to exit and go into the real world. So we'll see, we'll see where that goes, but I'm really excited. I'm a product of three other educators in my family, my sister, my mom, my dad, my aunt. Uh, so I was like black sheep of not getting into teaching and <laughs> sucked me right in. That's good. I've always kind of wanted to. I knew it was always there, but um, th- this was a great avenue, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. So, how he, you probably would not have thought when you started this journey, pre, let's say going all the way back to when you were deciding to take the president mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. in Denver, mm-hmm. that you would end up no. now teaching at Johnson Wales, nope. or even you make the you make the transition out to do Rise Up. Mm-hmm. Even then, you're probably not thinking that. God would lead in this direction where you're now doing Johnson and Wells. And, nope. and that's just a cool, somehow <laughs> one of the things that PW and I have talked about is that you have to, you have to jump in and start doing something, right? Get right. going right. and then learn to pivot and respond to what comes at you. Right. I found that, especially at least with what I'm doing, and maybe I'm doing it wrong. A lot of what you do, at least I'm seeing in my business is it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, wait for something to be ready. Wait for a customer to be ready. Wait for this opportunity to mature. So to your point, you've got to keep your mind busy. You've got to continuing to to improve your network and your contacts, which this is a great opportunity to do that. Who knows? Maybe some of these kids will, I'll do an internship with or hire them afterwards. You just don't know. But also um, 
you got to find ways to like fill that gap of when you're waiting for something to mature and waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, you should probably hit the, I should probably hit the concrete and pavement and, and do more sales. But then other opportunities, like you said, like for instance, uh, I might be also doing baseball lessons. I play baseball at Grove City. Um, I might be doing, because downstairs they're putting in a, a turf uh, place here at our office. We, my office is in a uh, athletics, uh, health and wellness facility. And there's a big gym here as well. And they're putting in a, a turf baseball facility. So like you said, kind of filling in um, some other opportunities to bring in revenue streams, um, but also stay busy because I feel like you can also get in this depression when you're starting a company and sales aren't going well and the tactic that you've been using isn't working or it doesn't have a high turn rate. Um, and you're just like, well, maybe I should spend my time doing more research or, you know, and you kind of can get lost in doing nothing sometimes. If you're not incentivized or driven to do something, you can kind of sit there and do nothing, especially with COVID. That was really tough. I can't go out and sell. All my customers are closed. We're still kind of waiting on getting our, our, our website up. We're getting, we're finished, we're rebranding our product line. There were times I'm like, I don't really know what to do. I'm stuck here. And that was hard mentally, spiritually, like we were talking before, staying busy and uh, keeping your eyes open to new contacts and networking and new opportunities. And then Hopefully you get so busy with your business that you have to t turn those off again. I don't know. We'll see. So John, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for this time together. How, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, how can they contact you? Shoot me an email, hit me up on our website. Uh, we are launching, I do have a Facebook page and all that stuff, but it's not getting the attention needs quite yet. That's on my list of things to do this by the end of this month. So what is your email address? How can the email? jcoin at riseupt.com. Uh, or so our website is riseupt.com. That is our mother company. And then our, our CBD products are at Helux, H-E-A-L-U-X, CBD.com. We try to be a resource for everybody in terms of learning about this stuff. What's legal? Will I get high? Will I fail a urinalysis? Will, uh, you know, what can will this stuff actually do for me? We are a science-based company. We try to bring that to you. Friends, thank you for listening in. You have been listening to Blue Collar Money with P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. If you would like to reach out to P.W. directly, you can reach him through his website at pwgopal.com or you can reach out to Mike Hatch at empoweredmanhood.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming contents. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to connecting with you soon.